Oh, hey. 
reigns in my life. Amen. I hope he does in yours, friends. Amen. I hope for just a few minutes you can lay aside whatever may be troubling you and just enter into the service to get what God has in store for you. Amen. I truly believe that God has a blessing for each and every heart in this building. And if we just enter in and push aside our worldly cares, we can get and seize what's ours. Amen. And that's my goal today. I hope that's your goal is to just lift your spirit up above what's going out in this world. Man, because it's just designed to drag you down. So we want to lift ourselves up. Amen. Brush off and shake off those eagle wings, friends. And let's let's get above these heights of this world and just enter into Jesus. Amen. Sing this song with me. Uh, shout to the Lord. Amen. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. And my comfort, my shelter, tower and refuge and strength, let every breath all that I am never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar. At the sound of your name, and I'll sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I love you, forever I stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Sing it again now. And my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. And all of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Oh, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. 
Come on, sing it now. Shout to the Lord, all the earth let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I'll sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. And nothing compares to the promise I have. And shout to the Lord, all the earth let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. Oh, and I'll sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I love you, forever I stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. No, nothing compares to the promise I have. No, nothing compares to the promise I have. In you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that promise. And let's sing another song. It's been on my heart through the week. It's just been a blessing to me. I've never sang it before, so I'm going to need your help. I know you have heard it before. It's worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Amen. The musicians can cue that. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the Worthy is the Lamb. 
change the order of our service at this time. Man, we're going to take our special needs to the Lord. I'd like to ask Brother Mark Sylvester if he would take these to the Lord for us. Amen. Brother Barry also has many needs that he has to bring to the church and he has some that he'll be uh, talking about especially later, but I have a few that I would like to mention for you to be in prayer of. Uh, Brother Ben Cockman, uh, we'd like you to remember him in prayer. If I understand correctly, he had a, a blackout spell and fell, and that has been recurring. And so we just want to keep him in prayer uh, that God would touch him. He'll be able to find what this issue is. And amen. He could uh, be free of that affliction. Amen. We also want to remember, especially in this time, Brother Joe Paschal has fought a long, hard battle. And I believe God is touching him. He still has some some challenges to overcome, but I believe our God is able to pull him out of that condition. Amen. Do you believe that? And also uh, continue to remember Brother uh, Richard Smith and Sister Mary in your prayers. They're doing much better. We just want to hold them up. God would give them complete deliverance. Amen. That's all that I have at this time. Brother Barry has a few more. If you have any unspoken prayer requests by uplifted hands, we're going to pray with you. Amen. Brother Mark, come at this time. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, it's good to be in this place this morning, Lord. We pray, Lord, and thank you for a place we could come, maybe just for a couple of hours, Lord. And It's a little sanctuary, Lord, where we could come and, Father, block out the, the world and the cares just for a little while, Lord, and just have sweet fellowship with you, Lord. We invite you this morning to come, Father, and minister to our hearts, Lord, and Tell us what you would have for us and instruct us in your way, Lord, in these, in these days, Lord, when there's so much, Lord, that distractions, Lord, and our, our minds are going whichever way, Lord, and it, it's almost like we can hardly keep our thoughts straight, Father. I pray that you will help each one, Lord, and 
Our desire, Lord, is to you to do your will, to do that which is pleasing to you, Father. And I pray that you lead us and guide us, that we may make those decisions, Lord. Give us wisdom and discernment, Lord, in the things that we ought to, to know and, and decisions that we have to make. Lord, there are many, Lord, that's touched with sickness, Lord, and we come and join our faith, Father. And we pray that you'll help these, Brother Joe Pascal, Lord. We pray you'll touch our brother. He's been in the hospital now for a couple of weeks, and we pray, Lord, that you'll give him a special touch, Lord, and lift him up and strengthen him, Lord, and be with Sister Lisa too, Lord, and give her strength, Lord, and, and his son also, Father. We pray for brother and sister Smith also that you will touch them, Lord, and help them also, brother Ben, Lord, and the many other requests that will be presented to you, Father. We pray that you will answer each, Lord, because you are still yesterday, you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever, Father. And we believe that and we come to you asking these things. Lord, as your word come this morning, Lord, minister to our hearts, increase our faith. Encourage us, Lord, because we need it in these times, Father. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done. We love you, Father, and we commit this service into your hands. We pray that you will have your way, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark. You can have your seats. And didn't mean to keep you standing so long. And But uh, Brother Matt has a special. If you could sing that at this time. Amen. Thank you, Brother Matt. Sing along with me. My throat might be a little rough, so I'll need your help.
Such a touching song. Thank you, Brother Matt, for the beautiful special. Amen. I believe it's time for the word. I feel all minds, all hearts are ready for the word. Amen. Let's stand. I believe a fitting song with that, Brother Matt, would be My Chains Are Gone. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me like a flood. His mercy ran unending love, amazing grace, amazing
Father, we are honored to be able to come in your presence today, Lord. And Father, especially when we have been apart for a while, it's so sweet to be able to come together, be able to hear the voices of the saints singing, Lord. And just from our hearts, we desire to worship you today in spirit and in truth. May, Lord, we join our hearts together. May we join our looks of fire together. Lord, may we join with those of our assembly that are watching by Uh, broadcast today, Lord, and we bind our hearts with theirs. We bind our faith with theirs today. And we bring our petitions to you, Lord, which are many, and our needs, which are great. But, Lord, you're greater than any problem we could face. You are greater, Lord, than any mountain we have to cut across. Lord, you're greater than any ocean that we would have to ford. You are our God today. You are the one who's in control You are the one that we look to, and you are the one that we have confidence in. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would bring every spirit and every troubled spirit under your control for the glory of God. Lord, may you chase away all fear, doubt, all of the current news, and all of the things, Lord, that occupy and press upon our minds. We leave behind the confusing cycle of misinformation. And Father, we pray that your presence would draw near to each one of us. Lord, we reserve this time and this place for you. We reserve this time and this place for the hearing of the word. And we ask now that you would just come among us, Lord, and speak to us directly from your word. And as Brother Mark has already prayed so well, Lord, may you just give encouragement and help build faith in our hearts, Lord, because that's what we need in the further part of this journey. We ask, Lord, that now that you would just take complete control, forgive us of anything, Lord, that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, may you just continue, Lord, to lead us and guide us in your will and speak to our hearts directly and personally today. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's sing it one more time because it sounds so good. One more time. Amazing, how sweet the sound mm-hmm. Hold on, sea rains, amazing grace, amazing grace, sorry my chains are gone, I've been set free, 
My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. One more time. And my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. Like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Praise the Lord. We are glad to be in God's house this morning, and I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, if you will, and we're going to look uh, in a passage of Scripture there this morning. Over in the book of Joshua. Thank you, musicians. We're going to go to two places, but I want you to look at one just before we sit down in the book of Joshua this morning, chapter 14. We greet all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning, and it's an honor to be back in the house of the Lord, and it's a great day to be serving God. Joshua chapter 14. I want you to read a portion of Joshua's testimony with me today. Joshua 14, verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years, ever since, uh, even since Moses, uh, sorry, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spoke in that day. For thou thou hearest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with, with me then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And may the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. It's certainly an honor, uh, like I said, to be here today. And uh, good to see all of your smiling faces. And uh, for all of you that have uh, gone through some difficult things over the last uh, month, uh, you've certainly been in our hearts and in our prayers, and uh, we are just uh, delighted that you're here with us today. And uh, my goodness, as I look around the room, so much has happened and uh, so much has taken place, but uh, we're glad that you're here today. Now, I'm going to change the order of things a little bit, so I'm going to not uh, make the beginning of the service top-heavy with a lot of things here. We're going to have special prayer at the end of our service today, and in that, I'm going to give you the prayer request list that I have uh, which is fairly substantial today, and uh, hopefully we may get some updates here as we uh, as we have the service. But I wanted to just say this uh, that uh, we uh, uh, I was over in the sanctuary today, and I just want to say that uh, it it is really looking sharp over there and and coming along. Brother Ben's done a fabulous job uh, with his crew and and all the work that's being done. Don't go in; it's a mess. Uh, there's tools and everything else all over the place and dirt and everything, so don't go in. 
but now we're working on the last couple of major pieces that will take place in new carpeting and things. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just really been looking, uh, it's really looking very well. It's going to be a real blessing to go back in there. Even the sound booth, uh, it's like it's been born again. And uh, it's, it's uh, looking so much better. So we appreciate that. Uh, I just wanted to give you a couple of quick announcements here, uh, though, as we begin, just very quickly. Uh, today uh, is uh, Catherine Pritchard's birthday. And uh, we wish Catherine a happy birthday. I don't think she's here today. And Brother Brian McCall's birthday. God bless you, Brother Brian. How old are you, Brother Brian? 58, really. A young man. God bless you. Uh, appreciate Brother Brian. <clears throat> also, this morning I had a photograph that uh, Brother Bill Walters uh, sent to me. He was passing by my house on the interstate, and uh, he said he was in Coffeyville and uh, passing by on the interstate there. And so we remember Brother Bill and uh, Brother Keith is home today. Uh, we also uh, acknowledge Brother Wayne Coffey's birthday. They're listening today uh, <clears throat> because they don't have church. Their church is shut down because of the virus there. Tomorrow is Brother Stephen Swafford's birthday, and it's also Levin's birthday tomorrow, right? And February 2nd is Sister Shirley Lingle's birthday, and Brother Troy Hughes, it's his birthday on the 2nd. The 3rd is Macy Stevens' birthday, right? God bless you, Macy. How old are you going to be? Nine years old. February 4th is the Ward's anniversary. And uh, they're home today and listening. February 5th is Sister Jennifer Cockman's birthday. We wish Sister Jennifer uh, uh, all the best on her birthday. They're home today. They've they got about four or five inches of snow up there. And uh, they're uh, kind of locked in up there in that area with the uh, Harwells as well. Uh, January 27th this last week was Sister Gregg's birthday. And I, didn't, I, don't, I don't remember if I uh, mentioned that. Also as well, at the end of service today, we have uh, the uh, shower, the baby shower that we were going to have for the Ningamazas, and uh, Sister Trish is not here today. They're, uh, they're not venturing out too far from home. They actually moved uh, from their apartment to a bigger place, so it's not far away from where they were, but uh, they've been in the process of moving and setting up house for uh, the arrival of the baby, and so they're not here today. Uh, but we have all of the things for the shower, and uh, really want to say we appreciate Sister Caitlin and Sister Kristen and the work that they've done in organizing things in this uh, unusual time for uh, baby showers, but they have uh, everything set up in the back here, and, and uh, what we would like to do at the end of this, we were going to have the drive through obviously, and we're not going to do that, but what we'd like to do at the end of service, when everybody leaves the sanctuary, so when everybody goes out and it's empty, Sister Caitlin, Sister Kristen, and Sister Becky will be in the back. And then we want you to come back in again. And there's a cupcake for everybody, and there's coffee and tea for everybody. And uh, we want you to come on back in and uh, uh, partake of that. And you can you know, take that with you when you go. And uh, we're going to deliver all those things down to the Nengomaza so that they'll, they'll have it. Um, and, you know, they've never been to a baby shower before. They've never seen one. They've never experienced one. In their culture, that's not the way that they do it. So just before service began, Sister Becky took some pictures of that and sent that to me. I sent it to Brother Aaron. And his reaction was, wow. 
And they were so blessed and so excited about that. And like I say, they've, they've never experienced that, never seen that. And uh, they, were just, they were just really uh, blessed to be able to, uh, you know, to see that and to experience that. You know, people would think ahead of time of all of these things that they would need. And uh, in their culture, it's more people-oriented. So, you know, people come around and, and help out with things that uh, go on in the birth of a child and, and uh, help out and so forth. And it's very, uh, they don't have Walmarts to go down to. And, by the way, the whole nation of Zimbabwe, the whole nation is shut down uh, because of the virus there. And uh, everybody's locked down, so uh, they have not been moving around at all, even their family members and so forth. It's been, uh, it's been quite a challenge for them in that country. In those countries, they don't have the health care and the resources and the medications and the support system that we have here. And uh, it, it makes things very challenging, I will guarantee you, in that, uh, in that part of the world. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go straight into the Word. Joshua chapter 14, let's look at that, and then we'll come back to some of these prayer requests here uh, before, we, before we close the service today. Now, I, uh, we've been talking about this whole subject of marks and seals, and I'm, I'm uh, moving away from that title a uh, little bit, but the uh, uh, number one, I'd like to say that uh, the, that, that uh, teaching, that idea, uh, that we've been working on has been a great blessing to many, many people around. And uh, it, it's generated lots of questions from people, good questions. And uh, so we, we want to continue a little bit on that theme. And then on Wednesday night, uh, we were talking about uh, just this whole subject of, uh, in the early part of the book of Joshua, where they realized, okay, this is, this is the end of that 40-year period, the end of the wandering, and th- there was a, a corner now being turned. They were, they were to turn northward. And uh, you can read the end of the book of, Ex- the, uh, book of Deuteronomy there. And Moses passes away. They spend their time mourning the death of, of Moses. And then all of a sudden now this whole new program, the whole new asp- part of the program of entering into the promised land opens up to the children of Israel. And so Joshua establishes uh, for the people of Israel an order uh, that they need to comply with in the going in of, of the, the children of Israel. So this new part of the same Exodus was all about a shift now where they were, uh, they were in a sense, moving away from Egypt. Now, now things had turned. They were moving into something new. Are we Okay. So they, were, they had moved out of that for 40 years, and God had done uh, a great filtering work among the people over that 40 years. But up to then, everything that they had experienced was about leaving Egypt. And they were moving in a circle. You know, they were not, they were not making, in a sense, if you walked in a circle for 40 years, you would not feel very much like you're making progress, Right? And so they're, they're, just, they're just reminded, we're leaving Egypt, we're leaving Egypt, we're leaving Egypt, we're leaving Egypt. All of a sudden, Joshua says, turn northward. Stop that now. We're going to turn northward. We're going in. We're going all the way in. Now, remember, redemption is two things, out of and into, right? We're going to go out of something, we're going to go into something. I'll guarantee you that going into something is more challenging than the coming out of something. They could not have gotten out of Egypt without the help of God. 
And God was the one who, uh, you know, broke Pharaoh's heart. God was the one who crippled the armies of Egypt. And God was the one who opened up the Red Sea. God was the one uh, who anointed uh, their, their leader, Moses, to go in there and face Pharaoh, face to face with Pharaoh. And, uh, you know, stood right there and gave Pharaoh the orders about what was going to take place. Wasn't the children of Israel, but God had all this under control. God knew the man that he needed to in order to confront Pharaoh, and he did. And God orchestrated all of that. You know what they, the children of Israel had to do was just simply follow. They had to believe and follow that this move now was of God, and this was the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Father Abraham way back there. Hey, this is it. We're in. Let's go. Let's do it. That's what they had to believe, and they had to you know, get their shoes on, get their staff in their hand, and they had to walk out. And that's what they had to do. But now they had to go in. Now they had to possess the land. But you remember the land was not a barren land. The land was an occupied land. It was filled with uh, nations, people who had houses, farms. They had businesses. They had uh, possessions in that land. But the Israelites had to go in with the attitude, hey, this is ours. This is ours, not by uh, natural certain. We're not we're not pioneers here. We're not people who are uh, you know riding wagons across the the great western plains and nobody's here, so we can just you know uh, pick a piece of land and build a house on it. That's not the case. They went into a possessed land, and they had to uh, look at it uh, not in a not in a you know an attitude of hey this is mine, buddy. I don't care how you feel. That wasn't it. They had to go in with the understanding that what they were possessing now was given to them by divine right, and God had allowed them to have that all the way from the book of Genesis, and they were going to go in and they were going to possess that land because it was their inheritance. It was what God had promised them. So they were claiming what was theirs. They were claiming what was rightfully theirs, and uh, they, they had opposition at, when they went in there. But they had to have an attitude as they went into the promised land, and that's what I want to talk about today uh, just for a little bit. Now, uh, there's a couple of things as we begin here that we need to remember, okay? There's a couple of, there's seven points here that I want you to, to think about as we, as we look at this particular subject here. And, uh, we're gonna hold your Bible open to Je- Joshua 14. I don't have any slides today, uh, so we're gonna do this in the manual way. So, uh, hold your Bible open to Joshua 14 and we're gonna look at that, uh, together this morning. Now, uh, I want to just remind you of a little quote, and this is found in Masterpiece in 1964, uh, where Brother Branham talks about the times. And he says we can see the conditions of the times, we see the conditions of the people, we see the conditions of the politics, we can see the condition of the world. It can't stand. It can't, the world can't stand. He said it's got to sink like the Titanic. Now, you all are familiar with the Titanic and how, you know, the story of it. And I just want to remind you of three things because I don't want to, I don't want to tell you things you already know. <laughs> whenever I do that at home, whenever I tell things that my boys have already heard, and let me tell you, they have a definite and precise reaction to that. And uh, I can never do that. So I've learned uh, early in life never to retell people things that they already know. But I will say this about the Titanic sinking. It sank, number one, it sank quickly. Number two, it sank with the people on board having a defiant attitude about the sinking. And number three, no one believed it was possible. But it sank anyway. Right? And so here's Brother Branham talking about our times. And he says, as we see the days darkening, and this is in 1964 in the Masterpiece, and now we 
see the, the world practically darkened altogether. He said you can see the conditions of the time and the conditions of the world and conditions of the people, conditions of religion. Everything, everything in our world is affected by this darkness, this gross darkness. And he said it's going to sink like the Titanic. And there's a lot of people who were on the Titanic never believed that it would actually sink. Even while it was sinking, they never believed that it could sink. Right? Because they were assured. They bought tickets uh, believing that this was an unsinkable ship. But it sank anyway. Right? And so Brother Branham said this is the way America is going to go. There's seven things we need to remember. Uh, seven. All right? Remember, there are three kinds, of people, or three kinds of people in the world. The people who can count and the people who can't. All right? So there's seven things I need you to remember. Number one is Hebrews 13 and 5. Paul writes this and says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the part I want to emphasize is that last part. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake me, thee. The second thing that I want to emphasize is Psalm 50, verse 10. And it says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Our God owns it all. The third thing I want you to remember is 1 Corinthians 10, 26. Which says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Our God owns it all. This fourth thing I want to tell you is 1 Corinthians 10.13. Which says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. He comes close sometimes, but he never tempts you more than what you are able to bear. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And how many can say amen? We probably all have experiences of coming close to the line, but our God is watching over the trial, and He's watching over your capacity to endure, and He's watching over your limit, and He knows exactly when to pull things back. So let me tell you, in the process of your spiritual growth, God's always looking at building character, and He never gives us more than we can bear. The fifth thing I want to remind you of is found in the book of Nahum, and it's in chapter 1 and verse 3. And it says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. The Lord knows everything that's taking place. And he is slow to anger, but he's great in power. And so God knows exactly what you're going through, and God knows exactly how to reward the wicked. And you know what? God never gives that job to any of us. He's going to take care of that because He's the great judge. Nowhere are we described as judges. But we are uh, to, to acknowledge God as the one who will straighten it all out. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He will not at all acquit the wicked. And the Lord hath His way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are like the dust of His feet. So don't you worry about how imbalanced or unequal or unfair things are. God's got all of that in view. He's got it all recorded, and one day he'll sort all of that out. So you don't need to get huffy, and you don't need to have an attitude, and you don't need to shake your fist at God. Let me tell you, he already knows exactly what's taking place. I would say this in number six, that the media and the world have a great influence over our thinking. The media and the world have a great influence over our thinking. And one of the things that they're good at is secularizing the holy, minimizing truth, 
vilifying authorities and trivializing Christianity. And for that, let me tell you something. God is going to deal with all of that. Anything that twists people away from the truth of God's word is something that God does not like or appreciate. Let me say that again. A lot of, a lot of entities, a lot of influencing entities in this world secularize the holy. In other words, they take uh, the, the real principle of thanksgiving out of thanksgiving. Right? When they call it a turkey day. They are denying the real purpose of what Thanksgiving is really all about. Thanksgiving is an important thing to God. They minimize the truth. Today the truth is so buried and lost and obscure, nobody knows really what's truth anymore, hardly. You should be very thankful. And the farther I go along into this darkness, the more I'm thankful for an absolute that God's given to us. That's a very clear line in the sand. We know exactly what God meant. We know exactly what He wants us to be and do. He knows, uh, you know, we, we have a great insight into the mind of Christ. And so therefore, truth has been minimized. Also, uh, the, the world today minimizes or they uh, vilify authorities. So that, um, you know, who are you to tell me and who are you to say this and I don't have to do that. And there's, you know, uh, show me the law. Uh, there's a lot of people who are very disrespectful as a result of that. <laughs> but I have news for you. Paul prophesied that 2,000 years ago, right? When he said men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God and disrespectful, unthankful, unholy, all of that. Uh, those things would be characteristic of our time. And then the fourth thing that I mentioned there was that uh, the world today trivializes Christianity. It's not a consideration anymore. Uh, hey, if you want to believe that, that's fine, but don't consider it science or fact. Uh, you know, it, it's just folly. It must have been the attitude that people took in the days of Noah when Noah continually said that it was going to rain simply because God said it was going to rain. And nobody had ever had a, the experience of rain falling on their bald head. And so they never really took Noah seriously at all. And they grew old over that 120 years, uh, kind of thinking that, well, Noah... Good try, but nothing's happened and it's been 120 years here. But let me tell you, even though they, even though they dismissed and they trivialized uh, the words that Moses had said, uh, it was still true nonetheless. So I'm saying to you that today, uh, the media and, and the world out there, they have a bigger influence than what a lot of people think. Because slowly, like a big ship, they've turned a lot of things away from the truth and the standards that we once held dear. Matter of fact, in many ways, we as a nation took those standards and truths for granted because uh, when, they were su- when, when our nation subtly shifted away from those moorings, nobody, nobody even kind of recognized the movement of Satan in our midst and in our culture until we find ourselves where we are now. But I will tell you something, that even though it looks like things are becoming more secular and more unreligious and more disrespectful uh, to God's Word all the time, I believe that everything that happens, especially at the very last of things, I believe that is happening according to God's will and God's program. Let me ask you a question. Would you have voted for Jesus to die on the cross? If you had been given a choice, knowing what you know now, if you had been given a choice of whether you could have said crucify him or let him go, he's an innocent man, would you have, uh, what would you have said back in the day when, uh, when Jesus was being crucified? Oh, you didn't get the vote, right? You didn't get a choice to do that. Those people that were in the audience that day, uh, they yelled, crucify him, but uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't know what you know. But today, would you, if you had to cast a vote, what would you vote today? Kind of an interesting question, isn't it? 
But there's some things that God doesn't give you a vote on because he's going to fulfill it anyway. Right? There's some things that God's going to do even uh, when it's taken out of our control and God does not uh, allow us to have, uh, you know, sway in what's going to happen. He just kind of does it anyway because it's his will. It's his word being fulfilled, and that's what's important. It doesn't mean that we should not, uh, you know, be concerned about what, what happens in our time, but nonetheless, I believe that it is, uh, it is, is definitely true that God has his way. God is going to fulfill his word, and he knows there are some things that he does not need to consult us about. The seventh thing that I want to say to you this morning, just, these are just things to remember, is this. Every 2,000 years, something happens. Are we okay? We had the flood after the first 2,000 years. We had Calvary after the next 2,000 years. And now we have the gospel going back to the Jews and the Gentiles being taken away at the end of this 2,000 years. So, you know what? No one's going to hold up that whole, whole process of God fulfilling his word about every 2,000 years. It's going to happen that way. It's going to happen exactly as God has declared or God has decreed. And that's the way that it's going to happen. So therefore, uh, we know that we're living at the end of that 2,000 years. As a matter of fact, it's kind of amazing that it hasn't, uh, it hasn't already happened. But nonetheless, uh, it, it, every 2,000 years something dramatic happens. So if, because we fit that pattern and we're at the end of 2,000 years, you should expect things to be changing. So this is not going around in circles now, uh, going through church ages and having messengers come. God all of a sudden in the end time says, stop. Now we're going to face a different way. We're going to leave this kingdom. We're going to go into another one. And I've got a body prepared for you. And I've got a wedding supper all laid out for you. And I've got everything all lined up here. It's going to happen here. You just need to follow and believe. And I'm going to take you there. Watch how I'm going to take you there. But I'm going to take you there. And in the process, as we look in the rearview mirror, we see nothing but, uh, you know, the destruction of this world and the falling apart of this world. We see it in the rearview mirror, but that's where you're supposed to see it. You're not supposed to see it ahead of you. You're supposed to see it behind you. Is everybody on board? Right? This country is sinking like the Titanic, but God has sent a lifeboat to us, and by God's grace we're floating away from that. And so we should see it in our rearview mirror, not looking out the windshield. We should see it behind us. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where, that's where God has taken the bride. He knew this thing was going to go down, so he had a lifeline sent out there for us. And so we should see it in our rearview mirror, not looking out the windshield. It's behind us. By God's grace, it's behind us. And we say that by grace, because it's only by grace that you're in the right place at the right time, looking at the destruction behind you, looking at the world falling apart behind you, and there's not a thing in the world that we can do about it. God's moving us on to higher ground. God's moving us on to a better place. In the Hebrews series, Brother Bannon makes this statement. He says, uh, uh, when the children of Israel were, were leaving uh, uh, Egypt, and, and uh, he was referring to you know, them going out and the attitude that they have. And then he refers in this same series, he talks about Abraham and how that Abraham, as he was leaving, he had a burden for his family. He had, remember when the, the kings came and invaded uh, the area where Abraham lived, and they took Lot. You remember that? And they took Lot and uh, took him captive with all the other people that were there. And Brother Branham said, I'll, I'll, I'll not take from a thread to a shoe latch. He told Melchizedek. He said, I, I, I don't want to take a thread or a shoe latch. I don't want anything. He didn't fight the war to get Lot back to make a lot of money. And real true battles 
are not made with selfish motives. He says we are not fighting for money. Wars are, not, are fought for principles. He said men fight war. Real men fight war for principles. They engage in a battle for principles. And he said and any minister that's sent out under the inspiration of the king of heaven will not go for money. Neither will he go to make big churches. Neither will he go to inspire denominations. He'll only go for one principle, and that is to bring back his fallen brother. So the thing we fight for in this world is to see people restored back into a relationship with God. That's really our desire. Whatever we can do to, to let people know, hey, there is a way out of this. There is a, uh, there's a lifeboat. There is a place that God has made. There's a safety zone that God has created. And, and really, our, our fight or our struggle in this world should not be for the world, but for the people in this world who are able to be reached by the gospel. Somebody ought to say amen. I will say this, you may not like this, uh, but I'm not, uh, you may not like this, but I will say this, I think a lot of people are way too passionate about politics in our time. You may not, you may not understand all of that, but I will say this, there's a lot of people who are way too caught up in what's happening in the political realm. I don't find, the problem is that I, I don't find anywhere where Brother Branham said we should be. I don't find anywhere where Brother Branham says, well, you know, you need to get behind your candidate. You need to blitz this, or you need to, you know, do, do this for the political movement of the day. I don't find anywhere at all where Brother Branham encourages to do that. As a matter of fact, I would do that if I found that that was anywhere found in my commission, but it isn't at all. I don't think we need to get concerned, passionate, or wound up in the politics of our time at all. Because I believe a lot of it is corrupt. I would say this, that most of it is corrupt. And I believe that a lot of it is going to happen no matter who's in the office because God uses things like that to fulfill His Word for the times we live in. We would not have Sodom laws approved in our time had not God used those systems in order to create uh, the thing. And you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. And I will tell you that a lot of that is only there to fulfill God's prophecies about our time. It really has very little to do with us. We're just passing through. I, I, I don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to get identified with that. I don't want to get tainted by that. I don't want to let that influence my thinking. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. We're believers. We're Christians. We should be on a higher level than that. We should be influenced and passionate and, and, and uh, you know, stirred up about the things of the Word and the things of the Gospel, not the things of the current political climate. My goodness, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Some of you are looking at me and saying you're unpatriotic. Be that as it may, I would rather, if I'm going to be passionate about one thing, it isn't the polit political situation of our time. I think it's crazy. And I don't think that there's, uh, there are things in, that are happening uh, today in that environment that are uh, positive for us. I don't think it's moving in our direction at all. I don't think it's moving to help us at all. I think it's all going down to tubes. Not that we shouldn't follow the speed limit. Not that we shouldn't pay our taxes. Not that we shouldn't be good citizens and good stewards in the country that we're living in. Because I would tell you to do that whether you lived in Africa or whether you lived in India or whether you lived in America. 
because we're called to be good stewards. Everybody with me? Don't fade out on me now here. I will tell you something. I think that people are way too, way too passionate about that. When I find Brother Branham telling us that we should be passionate about if we're going to fight a war, if we're going to struggle, if we're going to labor for anything, labor to find people that don't believe, that need to know that God has done something in our time. Either be a witness in your work or be a witness in your neighborhood or be a, uh, you know, print books or, uh, you know, go on the mission field or do something else or whatever you can do in your capacity. Take what you know. Take what God has blessed you with. Take what God has given to you and use that to further the kingdom rather than try to prop up a dying political entity that lives all around us and is truly falling apart and looks like Sodom every day that we pass by. I would rather do that. I thank God for the liberties that we have so far. I thank God for the liberties that we've enjoyed in our time. But I tell you, there are very few people that uh, really stand for things that are uh, true and righteous in our time. There are very few. I will tell you something, and I, I've never said this publicly because I don't think uh, politics belong in the pulpit here. But I, uh, for a minute, I, I just let me say this to you because I, um, I, I, I really I love to see. Uh, men of integrity, men of integrity work. And there are lots of good people who are in our uh, nation who are trying to do their very best. It's like there are lots of good ministers and there's lots of good churches and lots of good uh, people that uh, stand for things that are true and right. And I, I support that and I, I appreciate that very much. But I remember uh, four years ago when the election took place, when the campaign was on and uh, Mr. Trump was running against uh, Hillary Clinton back there. Forgive me just for a moment. Give me a just give me a couple of minutes here. And they had a debate. And, and in, at the end of one of the, deba- the debates I was listening to, they had a, a question that was posed to each of the candidates there, the two presidential candidates and the two vice presidential candidates. And uh, I don't remember what uh, the presidential candidate said, and I don't remember what Hillary Clinton's vice presidential candidate said. I don't even remember who her vice presidential candidate was. It's not, not, not important. But I remember when Mike Pence was given an opportunity to answer a question. And the question was this, and some of, you, some of you may recall it. But they gave him a question and said, if you could change anything by a stroke of your pen now, if you could make any change in legislation now uh, without having to uh, you know, have, go through Congress or make a bill or anything else, what would you do? What would be the first thing that you would do? What would be the priority that you would have? And he made a response there that really struck my heart. It, it just really, I thought, wow, there's still a little ray of hope, a little ray of light uh, that, that comes out of one of these candidates here. And he made this statement, and it was not so much the, the, the length of what he said, it was just the sincerity by which he said it. He said, if I could, I would reverse any law that took the life of an unborn child. And he said, I would do away with abortion. I would have abortion taken off the, uh, the, the, the books altogether. You know, except, of course, in extreme cases and all of that. But it was just the way that he said it. And he was not concerned about, you know, his own kingdom and his own desires and so forth. It was, it was this passion that he had uh, to protect the unborn. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's a... Um, that's a, a credible answer. That's a, that's a good answer. It shows uh, that there's still a little integrity left, a little, uh, you know, a little righteousness left uh, in some of the candidates there. The other people said things that I don't, I don't really recall very much, but it was more about, uh, you know, the political events of the day. But, but Mike Pence had said that the thing that I would, I would do, he said, is to uh, take away 
makes that more difficult to take away the life of an unborn child. He said, because they don't have a choice. And I thought, you know, it was the most Christian thing that, that any one of them had said. And I, I thought, wow, that's really good. And I remarked that. And I remarked his character over the next four years, even to the very last days of his uh, administration there. I, I, like I said, I, I have no interest in backing any candidate. I have no interest in getting involved in the process at all. And I find that, uh, you know, with believers, it's just amazing how inflamed people can become over that altogether. And you know what? It's not the cause that we should be excited about. This may not be popular. It may not be what you want to hear. But I, I will say this. I believe that God's called us to a higher level to be able to look at things from a higher perspective. To be able to know what we should be doing and spending our energy on, spending our time on uh, in the days that we're living in and the last of things. Because uh, we, we really are a people who live without a great deal of time left in this world. Are we okay? Brother Branham said, <clears throat> he said in the message, in the letting off the pressure, he said there's no pressure with Israel. He said they could let off the pressure because... They were safely under the blood. What he's referring to is the first exodus and how that the children of Israel were dressed, ready to go. They were in their houses with the blood applied, the token applied to the doorposts of their house. And he said for them there was no pressure because they were in the house with, under the blood. And that great night of the Passover, he said they could sit there and they could see the blood. And when they saw the blood, they knew that by his promise he would pass over them. And he said, after they followed all the instructions of God, God promised to pass over them. He says, dot, dot, dot. He doesn't say dot, 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 but there is a dot, dot, dot there. And then he says, now that's a picture of the church today. He says, today we're leaving one congregation, going to another. We're always chasing the new thing, uh, the bright thing, new car smell. He doesn't say that. I'm saying that. And he says, but you're watching something that you ought not to be watching. It's possible in times like this that you can be caught up watching things that are really of no value at all. Come on, somebody say amen. You can be caught up uh, with things that really don't matter. What matters is that you've met the requirements of God. That's what matters is that you're sitting in a place where no matter what judgment is being poured out, let me tell you, God's got His eye on you. He's watching over you. And you're sitting there in a position of obedience, not self-righteousness, but in obedience. Lord, I've done everything that you told me to do. I've made everything right I need to make right. I've lived in a way, or I've attempted to live in a way that uh, your, your, uh, the Word requires in our time. And so therefore, uh, I, I, Lord, I, I'm, I'm just at your mercy. I'm just depending on your protection. I'm depending that if there's anything else in my life that I need to make right, then Lord, show me and I'll make it right. If there's anything else that you need me to do, Lord, I'll do that. And he said that's the position that the children of Israel were in when they, uh, when, when they uh, were leaving the, the land of Egypt back that night. And they were confident, and he said they were at rest, and they were at peace because they had followed the requirements of a righteous God. And I believe, saints of God, that we as believers, we believe unto rest. We believe unto peace. Come on. Somebody say amen. 
we believe unto a, a, a satisfaction that, hey, I've done everything that God requires. And if you haven't, now is a real good time for you to think about that. But if you have done that, you have an attitude of rest, you have an attitude of peace. It doesn't mean you get to fall asleep in church, but it just means that you have a, a you know, an assurance, a calm assurance in your heart that no matter what happens and no matter what the news cycle brings to us tomorrow, hey, I'm right with God. And if God decides to shut it down, I'm on my way. I'm on my way because God's already got it determined that I'm one of His. I'm a child of the King and I really don't need to worry about what lays ahead. I have the assurance that the footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And all the brides said, Amen. <clears throat> Take your Bible, if you will. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14 and let's read a couple of passages here. Joshua 14, we've, let's read of verse 1. Now these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun, the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel, distributed for their inheritance. By lot was their inheritance as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half tribe. By lot. Now, you remember the placement of the children of Israel in the land was determined back in the book of Genesis by the birth cry of the, of the mothers of the patriarchs. Remember that? When, when Jacob's wives gave birth to their 12 sons, they cried out in, their, in the birth throes, and that cry was a determination of where they would be in the land. So when they came into the land now, this is the fulfilling of that prophecy that, that those who were identified, Gasher, or sorry, Asher, Gad, Reuben, all of those characters back there, and they were, they were identified as there was no such person as Gasher. All right? They were identified back then, and, you know, uh, Asher would dip his heel in oil, and uh, Reuben would be here, and Manasseh would be here, and all the rest of it. So these tribes are, are placed there. Now, I want you just to pause for a moment there, and if you will, take your Bible and go to Numbers chapter 26. Just, just looking at this little lesson here. Numbers chapter 26. <clears throat> Back in that day, there were 601, 730,000 Israelites that needed to have a home. There were also 23,000 Levites who didn't have a home and were not going to get one. But they were given certain cities and they were mingled in amongst the children of Israel. They did not have a tribe. The descendants of Levi did not have a tribe. It was 23,000 of them that day. And there were 601,000 Israelites that needed to have a home. So Joshua has the job of placing the children of Israel into that place. Numbers chapter 25 and 26 deal with this. As a matter of fact, there are dozens of chapters that deal with the placing of the children of Israel. This is very specific to God. This is something that, he, that he's concerned about in great detail. He wanted the children of Israel to be in this particular mountain or this valley bordered by this river. And he had all kinds of natural barriers there that identified their particular piece of property. 
But they all had a place. They all had a spot in the promised land. God had carved it out. God had thought about it. God had given them this piece of land. And so in 57, chapter 26 of Numbers, and I'm looking at 57. And these are they that were numbered of the Levites after their families of Gershon, the family of the Gershonites of Koath. And it goes all the way down through and it gives all the different listings of uh, the inheritance of the children of Israel. And chapter 27 deals with the laws of inheritance all the way down through. And it describes it in great detail all the way down. I'm sorry, go back for a moment here to chapter, to the same chapter, but verse 53. And unto these shall the land be divided for an inheritance according to the number of names. To many thou shalt give the more inheritance, and to a few thou shalt give the less inheritance. To every one shall his inheritance be given according to those that were numbered of him. Notwithstanding, the land shall be divided by lot. According to the names of the tribes of the fathers, they shall inherit. According to the lot shall the possession thereof be divided between many and few. So when Joshua came to divide the land and give it to the children of Israel, he's following this commandment here. And he's doing exactly what Moses had said. That we're going to give a big portion of the land to a larger tribe and a little portion of land to the littler tribe. We're going to do this. So their borders, their borders, when they actually were placed there, were dependent upon the size of the tribe. And this is interesting how Moses actually, or sorry, how Joshua actually did it. They were in the right place according to the birth cry of their great, great, great grandmother back there. But their, their actual boundaries were dependent upon the size of the tribe. So if there was a big tribe and they were all squashed into a little place, there would be nothing, nothing but complaining there, and there would be uh, fights over the land. And if there was a, a, you know, a great big lot of land and only a few people on it, uh, then, you know what, a lot of the land would go waste. It would not be used properly. And so the land was, you know, continually over time, God was, God was allowing the, the right people to be placed in the right land so they would all have a fair shot at the land and they would all have the right proper use of the land. And this is the way that it was actually placed when Joshua came. So his uh, job was not just to go back and look in Scripture and says, okay, great-great-great-grandmother says you're here and you're, you're there. But now this was apportioned out according to the size of these tribes here. And I believe this, saints of God, that there's a lot of types and lessons we could draw, but I would say this, that God never, like we read in the, in the beginning here, God never gives us more than we can handle. But he, he portions things out in our life. And, and God, I believe that, uh, you know, what we have need of, God is able to supply. That God gives us exactly what we have need of. He doesn't give us too much, and He never gives us too little. How many can say amen? But He gives us just exactly what we have need of. And I believe in the last day, I believe that God has given us a great faith, because we're going to have to take great big steps in order to get out of here. But God would never do that unless He gave you proportionally what you need to make that big step in the last day. If you go back and you compare the revelation we have to other ages, God has blessed us with a great portion because we have to take a portion, we have to take a step that's actually bigger than death and going to take us into the promised land. Do you believe that? 
That's exactly what God's done in the last days. So God knows exactly how to portion things out. And you should always remember that. That God, uh, you know, He knows your life. He knows your standing. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows how much you can bear. He knows what your heart's cry is. And He knows how to meet that demand in His own way. He never, ever takes for granted how much that you are able to uh, bear or hold or know or understand in your time. But I will tell you this. The promise is this, is that when they came to the the land, after hundreds of years, and they came to the land, finally, God had a place for every one of them. And you need to understand that you may not feel like you're very much an integral part of the body. You may not feel like you're important, or you may not feel like even nobody, anybody notices you. I want you to understand that even down to the smallest tribe, even down to the smallest group, God had a place for every one of them. God had a home for every single person that was a believer, everyone that was one of his children. And I will tell you, when we come down to this, you're not going to have the government patting you on the back. You're not going to have everybody in religious circles patting you on the back. You may not even have everybody in your family or in the message patting you on the back. But you've got to know that you're a child of God. And because I have an inheritance given to me by God, number one, nobody can take it away. And even if nobody agrees, my God's got a home for me somewhere in glory. And I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to let him lead me across that great river. Now take your Bible, hold your finger there. I don't know how many fingers you actually have, but go to the book of Psalms, if you will, and go to chapter 47. I love this little psalm here. Psalm 47, verse 1, O clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. That doesn't mean that God is bad. That simply means that God is to be reverenced. That God is to be held in awe. So don't quote Brother Barry and say that he said that God was terrible. Although he is. He is to be reverenced and he is in awe. He is one to be awed. Second part of that verse says, He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us, the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us. The excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. Who's choosing your inheritance? Not you. Who's choosing your inheritance? Not Satan. Let me tell you, it's God who's choosing your inheritance. And if God's determined your inheritance... God will make sure you get to it one day. Hallelujah. God reigneth. Sorry. Verse 5. God has gone up with a shout, and the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises unto God. Sing praises and praises unto our king. Sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. We, do you realize, we are the people today who can sing praises with understanding. We can rejoice over the times we live in. We can rejoice over the things that God has brought to us because He's given us great understanding of the program of God and the events that are unfolding in our time. They do not come to us with fear. They come to us with a sense of fulfillment that God is actually on the scene fulfilling His Word and bringing it to pass just exactly as He said in this last day. Therefore, we should praise God and we should sing with praise in our voice and with understanding. Read on a little bit further here. God reigneth over the heathen. 
Say it, say it with me. God reigneth over the heathen. God reigns over Washington. God reigns over the United Nations. Do you believe that? In other words, they're not more powerful than God. They're not, they're not uh, able to overcome God's will. They're not able to change the direction God is moving this world. Do you believe that? God reigns over the heathen. They may, they may deny Him. They may shake their fist at Him. They may try to take things under their control. <clears throat> but let me tell you something. God reigns over them nonetheless. They may be unwilling subjects of the king, but they are subjects nonetheless. The princes of the people, verse 9, are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God, for he is, God is greatly exalted. The shields of the earth. A shield in the Hebrew is exactly what it means in the English. It is a shield. It is a defensive weapon. And the shields of the earth belong to God. In other words, your defense does not rest in you. Your defense does not rest in a vaccine. Your defense does not rest in your money. Your defense rests in God. And He is our defense. If you track that Hebrew word, you go back to Genesis 15:1, where God appeared to Abram and He said, Abram, I am thy... Uh, I am thy shield and I am thy exceeding great reward. I am your shield. I am your defense. I have spoken something about you that you're going to bring to pass. And I'm going to do it. I'm your shield. When the enemy comes against you like a flood, I'm going to be your shield. And here's David prophesying the same thing. That in the last day when all of this breaks out, he says, You go forward with praises and you go forth with praises and understanding. And you go forth with praises and understanding and believing that God is going to be your shield no matter what you go through. Our defense does not rest in the weaponry of this world. Our defense rests in God. And therefore, our peace rests in God. Go back to Joshua chapter 14, if you will. For Moses, verse 3, had given the inheritance of the two tribes and a half-tribe of the other side, Jordan, unto the Levites, and he gave more inheritance unto them. And then, of course, as in verse 6, And the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the Kenazite, and said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, man of God, concerning me and Kadesh Barnea. And we've read this. And here's, here's Caleb now standing, 85 years old. He was born right around the time when they left the land of Egypt, and here he is now, 85 years later, and he's saying, I'm standing here, nevertheless, verse 8, my brethren that went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly follow the Lord, my God. He says that in several places in this whole chapter here, that he says, I wholly follow the Lord, and uh, verse 14, and Hebron, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord his God. That word holy there, it means fully. That he fully followed the Lord his God. That he did that way because he was armed. That's what the Hebrew word means. It means he was locked and loaded. It means he was ready. He fully followed the Lord. He had everything ready to make that step into the promised land. And he said, I... I, I've given God everything. I have not, 
I've not waited that, uh, you know, I need to prepare. He says, I've been prepared. I, I've, I've stayed prepared over all these years. And he said, that's how I follow God, is locked and loaded, ready for action, ready for whatever comes, whatever, ready for what God has promised me. And that was his attitude. And I say this to you this morning, and I, I, I apologize for the simplicity of this whole thought, but just to say this, if there's any example of our attitude going into the promised land, it's not sitting there wondering, will God be able to do it? It's not wondering, will, will we make it before the whole thing falls apart? That ought not to be our question. It ought not to be our question as to whether I am able. Hey, i got news for you. I'll give you the answer. You're not. None of us are. We're not able to do this. We're not able to overcome the giants that live in the land ahead of us. We're not able to, uh, you know, uh, uh, take away uh, the people from the, the possession of the land they have. They are, the people of this world are rooted solidly in this world. People in this world have an investment in this world and are not easily going to give it up. They're not going to just roll over and say, oh, wow, you're the bride of Christ. You can have whatever you want. That's not the way it's going to happen. But I will tell you something. If God intends us to leave this world, there is no power on the earth or below the earth or anywhere else that can prevent the bride of Jesus Christ from possessing the land that God has ordained for them. So therefore, our attitude should not be, will it happen? Our, attitude, our question really should be, when will it happen? And I want to be locked and loaded and ready to go because that's the promise of God. And if I believe the promise of God, there's nothing going to stand in its way. There's nothing going to prevent it. But God is going to make it come to pass. And He's going to make it come to pass in my lifetime. And I want to be ready. And even if I don't see it in my time, if I die, I'll make it over there through that gateway of death. But if I'm alive, I want to be ready. I don't want to have to start preparing up the road. I don't want to have to start getting ready up the road. I don't want to have to get rid of things up the road. I want to do it now. I want to be locked and loaded and ready. I want to be prepared for action. I want to be in sync with God. And I want to be able to do this when God says, time to go, boys. Time to go. I guarantee you I've visited the EMS station many times, the, the fire station, and uh, when the grandkids come, and you know, in the old days before uh, segregation because of the virus, we were able to go over to the EMS station, bring the grandkids over, and like, you know, Brother Jeff bringing the kids over to the fire station and letting them see it. One of the things that, that is really noticeable about all of that stuff is how ready they are. They can jump into their equipment and into their gators, and they can, uh, you know, just be in the truck gone, and they've got all the gear ready, everything's shined up. They're not saying, oh, wow, you know what? We need gas. Only you brothers who forgot to get gas. And your wife reminded you, and you didn't get it. That's why you don't work for the EMS. But these guys, let me tell you, these guys are ready. They have the medicines there. They have the oxygen there. They have the supplies there. They have uh, people on duty. They have uh, everything is all set in motion. They practice. They run through the drills. They go through the motions there. What happens if? What happens if? What happens if? And it takes years and years for them to learn. I always say to Lucas when he goes, maybe we have a storm, you know, and I always say to him, hey, they need some help. Let me know. They need somebody to come with a chainsaw. Let me know. Me and Matt. Matt Cross will be there in about an hour. And uh, I said, they really need help, we get Brother Wayne to come. And, uh, and, and, you know, if trees are falling in the road and we need to clear the way and they need somebody with a chainsaw while they're off, you know, saving people, whatever else, be glad to do it. They never call me. I've never been called yet. I've always wanted to be called, but they've never called me yet. 
You know why? Because they know I'd probably have to get out of bed and, you know, need coffee. When you watch these guys and they get out of bed when the sound of the horn, let me tell you, it's, it's pretty fast. It all happens pretty fast. But they're ready because they're trained for that. Don't miss the point. The point is for the bride of Christ, we've been training. We've been training through the promises of the Word and the hearing of the Word, not, not to put out fires, but for us to be able to go in a moment in the twinkling of an eye to believe that the promises are true, to believe that what God said in this last day is right, to believe that we are not to listen to the wrong voices in our time. The wrong voices are strong. The wrong voices are persuasive. The wrong voices are all there intended to rile you up and draw you in. The right voice is there to give you peace. And when you hear the voice of God and the voice of God through His Word, it gives you a peace and it inspires you to do the right thing. It inspires you to be prepared. It inspires you to live in expectation of the fulfillment of the promise. The promises are real. We've been reminded of them in our day. The promises are real. And what God has done has given us an unction to prepare for the fulfillment of every one of those promises because we do believe that they are going to come to pass. And I will guarantee you, when you separate from the voice of the Word, it will mess you up. There are a lot of people who have separated from the voice of, or the hearing of the Word of God. And sometimes the separation has not been voluntary. Well, sometimes the separation is because pastors or ministers do stupid things. And there are things that are done that people wish that never have been done, but they're done. And some people get, you know, they get disconnected and they get, you know, separated. And some people say, well, I don't need the church and I'll stay home and I'll, I'll do this, something else. As a matter of fact, in a situation like we're in, and I'm not talking about you and I'm not talking about the people who are listening today, but in a situation like ours, it's kind of easy to slip outside the boundaries of the body of Christ and be super independent. I know people that have gotten much more independent because of the last year's events. You know what? You should still pay your tithes. You should still come to church when you can. You should still maintain an attitude of worship, and you still should tune in, stay connected, stay plugged in as much as you possibly can. It takes a little more effort in times like we've had just over our past month. Isn't that right? It takes a little more effort. It takes a little more uh, discipline in order to do that. But we should do that uh, in our time because, you know what? You can become like a chaff finch. Yeah? What's a chaff finch? Chaff finch is a bird. It's a bird that's found most often in England, although we have them here. And they have them in the northern parts of Africa, and they have them in different places there. Uh, that are familiar to us, but mostly in England. People love to have a chaff finch in their house or their garden because they sing so nicely. I mean, they're just amazing. The males sing nicely. The females sing nicely. They're special birds. They just really uh, are pleasant. And many times you would not even uh, really know. Uh, huh. Well, I got a shock of looking at the clock and I was thinking, we started at 10.30 and it's going for 3 o'clock. Whoa. You should have said something. <clears throat> People love to get a chaff finch in their house because you know, just, just how pleasant they actually are. 
There's a really strange thing about chaff finches that you need to know today, and that is this. When young finches grow up at a certain point in their life, they learn to sing not by nature. They're not all automatically given a, a song to sing. They hear the adults singing. And at a particular point in their life, when they hear this singing going on, it impresses them, and they duplicate the song that they hear sung by their parents or by adults in the flock. And so that's what they sing. If they're not around, or if the parents forsake their duty, the little birds don't know how to sing, and they never sing for all their life. Because there's a window that opens that allows them to be impressed by the singing. As a matter of fact, they say that if they take a finch and they put it in a house somewhere, and he never hears other finches singing, he'll forget how to sing. He will actually lose his ability to sing just because it's something he's learned. It's not a natural thing. It's something he's learned. So therefore, they have to take a finch and bring it, release it back into the wild, and it hears its own singing again, And you know what? They come back and they'll be singing the same songs they used to sing. They need to be reminded of that over and over, even though they're a finch. And they haven't ceased to be a finch, but they've lost that, they've lost, in a sense, they've lost that sensitivity to what they they, uh, learned as a young person, as a young bird. And I would say this, I would say this to us, that in our time, you can take our our young people going through it, a year like we've just had, it isn't an easy thing because they can lose hearing the sound of the right thing. And if we said we were not going to have church and we're not going to get together, there's something lost because of that. Because I think I would get your agreement or your amen on this one. Having church here is better than having it in your home. It's okay. I mean, I'm thankful that we can do that. I appreciate Brother Jeremy and his crew that helps make all that happen. But I will tell you something. It's better for us to be together because we hear a sound that somehow stirs us and invigorates us and reminds us that we are a part of a body. But you can also take a finch and put him out in someone's house in a cage somewhere and they'll actually begin to forget what they've heard they'll actually begin to let that diminish. Now, I believe this, that if you've got eternal life, you've always got eternal life, right? We, we, we understand that. But the lesson is something that's good, that you can forget. You can forget certain things. You can forget even some of the standards and the things that God requires. You can forget certain things about, uh, you know, uh, what we should be until, unless we exercise the discipline of getting around the right people, because if you're in a position where your Christian experience is lacking a little bit and you get around the wrong thing, you can be impressed by the wrong thing because you're vulnerable. I think you know what I mean. That when you get soft on the Christian experience, when you begin to lose that fire and you associate with people at your work or students, or you start listening to the wrong music, and you start you know, partaking of the wrong things. It can begin to affect you because there's a void that's there. Over time, there's a void that's there. And if you're not careful, the, Satan is quick to fill voids that he sees. 
And he loves to fill those voids in you because you're the, you're the target of his energy. He's not interested in getting the, the worldly people of the world. He's already got them. But he's interested in doing whatever he can to kind of mar your testimony and discourage you. And he is wicked with discouragement. He is a master with discouragement. And he's able to sow things in your mind and make you feel like you're not important. You're not, uh, you know, you're not ever going to be this or that. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is kind of frazzling, fra- uh, uh, fraying at the edges and all the rest of it. He can sow all kinds of things. He's deadly with discouragement. How many believe that? And most often he gets you with that arrow of discouragement when you're either on your own or close to on your own. But it doesn't very often happen when you're in an assembly where everybody's faith is kind of joined together and you have an atmosphere that's different than the atmosphere in your home or in your room. Can somebody say amen if you believe that? So therefore, it is a good thing for us to have an attitude of, uh, listen, like, like Joshua did right, and Caleb did. And even though we walked in the desert for 40 years, and even though there are people that are living in my, in my inheritance, they're actually living in the land, and even though there are enemies all around, and even though the circumstances are not ideal, I still am determined to live in expectation of the fulfillment of God's promises, simply because they are God's promises. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come, if you will. <clears throat> God is good and God cares about where we find ourselves. Especially in the days that we live in. Let's sing that little chorus. I'm going to make it. He's already said that I would. Let's sing that this morning here. Then we're going to have just a little word of prayer before we end our service today. I'm going to make it. He's already said that I would and I'll keep on trusting working everything for my good He walks beside me and heaven is in my
give you some of these prayer requests here, and we're going to go to prayer this morning. We want to remember Brother Peter, Sister Rachel, and their family. I have a special request this morning. We want to remember Brother Tom Ward. Brother Tom has uh, taken oxygen. He's at home. He's feeling better, but he still has weakness when he gets up and exerts himself. So he's in that recovery process at home. We want to remember Brother Ben Cockman. And Brother Ben had a situation where he was faint on Friday night, fell, knocked his head on the uh, stone in his driveway there, and they took him to the hospital. They checked him out and sent him home. He's had some sort of a relapse, and uh, he is still at home. I don't think he's gone back in the hospital, but uh, his situation is not really good, and they're not really sure exactly what's going on. So uh, I assured the brothers that we would be praying uh, for Brother Ben. We want to remember Sister Sarah Buchanan, who's not feeling well today, trusting that the Lord will undertake for her. Sister Karen Buchanan also had the virus, and she's feeling really weak, uh, having a really difficult time. We want to remember her in prayer as well. Brother Mike Holloway is in the hospital this morning. He had a heart catheterization this morning. Uh, The doctors went through with that procedure, and they want to see how badly the valve is leaking uh, out of his heart the major uh, valve that leads out of his heart. And so they went in and they checked a number of things, but they did that heart cath this morning. Brother Mike was tested positive for the virus when he went into the hospital. And so they were trying to delay the treatment a little bit so that he could get over the, uh, the problems with the virus. So he asked us to remember him in prayer, and I told him we surely would today. And uh, if you don't mind remembering him and also his wife as well, who's home, she can't go visit him. He's in uh, uh, South Carolina in the hospital there. So we uh, would ask you just to continue to remember that need as well. Brother and Sister Smith are both home. Uh, Brother Smith sent me a testimony yesterday, and he said he was very thankful for the many prayers and the uh, offerings of concern on behalf of uh, himself and the help that he received, but also Sister Mary. She had a very uncomfortable and difficult time when she was in that temporary hospital up in Lenore and finally uh, came out of that and came back home again. She's starting to eat again. She's starting to move around again, which is good and more comfortable in her home surroundings. She called me the other day, and she was talking to me, and as she was talking, she cried continually. And I finally said, Sister Mary, tell me what's wrong. She said, I'm just glad to be home. I can't stop crying. I'm just glad to be home. And uh, so they are, they are two people that... Uh, not only can you pray for, but also check in on, if you don't mind. They, uh, they're they not uh, either one able to get out very much and do much. And uh, I told them that we would surely uh, keep in contact with them. This morning also we want to remember Brother Joe Paschal. And uh, Brother Joe uh, is uh, in some ways what the doctor had told Sister Lisa yesterday was that uh, he was making baby steps towards improvement. And they were excited about that. They have him down to about 40% oxygen. He's gone from 100 to 40 and still able to maintain the oxygen saturation level in his lungs, so in his bloodstream. And so he's, he's holding that pretty good. Um, however, he's been dealing with uh, some infection in his blood, and they don't know what it is. They don't believe it's sepsis, but they, uh, they, they are, they've noticed this infection there, so they've taken some samples. They're trying to do some sort of a culture uh, to figure out what that is. 
Then they noticed that his blood pressure was dropping because he was losing blood. And so they did uh, some scopes and so forth, and they found that he was bleeding internally in his stomach. And uh, as a result, his blood pressure is staying low. So they're having to deal with that at the moment. Uh, they're having to uh, try to assess where that's coming from. Uh, he's on a blood thinner, and uh, they're trying to see what they can do to fix that up. Brother Joe's been on that uh, ventilator, as uh, Brother Mark, I think, mentioned this morning in his prayer. He's been on that now for a couple of weeks there. And the desire of the hospital is that they would wean him away from that, and they would uh, get him back breathing on his own. When they reduce the sedation, he struggles with the ventilator itself. He wants to take it out. He begins immediately to do that because that's his brain's reaction. And so they have to keep him sedated to a certain level, uh, but they're trying to get him uh, so that his body takes over and begins to breathe himself. So it's a very delicate uh, situation that some of you medical people know and uh, just a very sensitive thing where they're trying to deal with him. But uh, I, I just want to say this, that I, I appreciate your concern. I try to pass on everything that Sister Lisa gives to me or the hospital gives to me so that you're aware of the situation. We have people around the world who know about Brother Joel, and I've spread the, the word, and they're praying for him. And so today what I wanted to do was just take a few minutes and, and just to offer a special word of prayer for him. And I want you to pray with me and uh, just uh, ask that the Lord would would break that thing. Just and, and sometimes that's what God needs to do is just intercede and just move on the scene and cause a change to happen. And we desire, we believe, and that's what we should do, not try to figure it all out and all the medical part of it, but just to only believe. And I want to believe that Brother Joe's going to stand here and give a testimony about how God undertook for him. That's, that's what I choose to believe, and I, I'm, I'm not God, I, but I, the thing that we are to do is to pray one for another and to commit our needs to God in, in expectation that God's going to move. And Hey, listen, it's by His stripes we are healed. If we could heal Brother Joe, we would. If we could get him out of there, we would. We really can't do that. He's in God's hands. He's in the hands of good medical care, but he's in the hands of God ultimately. I told Sister Lisa years ago, Joe put his life in, you know, at the foot of the cross and gave his heart to Christ, and I said he never took it back. still there. So therefore, God's got the, the control of his life. God's got the steering wheel. You have to pray in a way that what if that was my dad? Or what, what if that was my husband? Or you know, what if that was someone that was in my family? In a very real sense, he is in your family. And so therefore, we want to just really pray that God will move on that scene and break that, break that hold of that sickness and allow him to get back on his feet again. Will you believe that way? Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads together, Lord, and many of us have our own personal needs and, and our, our, the cry of our heart, Lord, that uh, is, we, we often speak to you. And Lord Jesus, we take every one of these requests and my hands are laid upon them this morning and we just desire in the name of Jesus Christ that Lord you would move in every situation, that you would be the God of strength and the God of healing, and the God who cares about what we are going through. And as an assembly, Lord, we cannot help but feel it when one member of the body is hurting then all of us are affected by that. And Lord, when one member rejoices, we also rejoice together. So, Lord, we are connected to these individuals. We are connected to these families. And in the name of Jesus Christ, first of all, we stand against the enemy that would come against these believers. And we curse this affliction, Lord, that has brought tragedy 
and brought problems and stress and sickness and weakness into their lives. Father, we stand together now as believers and we commit our our family to you, Lord, believing that you're a God who cares about all that they go through. And Lord, we who are strong, we pray for them that are weak. We lift up Brother Joe Paschal, especially today in the name of Jesus. And we pray, dear God, that you would just draw near into that ICU room today, Lord. And I pray that you would draw near to his bed. And that, Lord, you would give him the strength and the chains, the, the, the good positive testimony that he needs in his body today. I pray, Lord, that even today, Father, that would be our prayer, that you would just begin to turn that thing around. And, Lord, you would give him the strength that he needs and the healing, Lord, that his body so desperately needs to bring him back to a place of strength, Lord. Bring him back to the assembly, Lord, where he belongs. Bring him back, I pray, to his dear wife and his son. And, Lord, just I pray that may, Lord, his healing be a real testimony of the grace of God in his life. And, Lord, we are not here to tell you what to do. But, Lord, we, we are people who believe your promise. And the very best thing we can do, Lord, is take Brother Joe as an assembly and lift him up before the throne of grace and say, Lord, just move in his life. Father, we pray, Lord, for all of these other names that are on the list, Lord. And we'd like to give thanks, Lord, for Brother Tom and how you undertook, Lord, in his life. And Father, being in such a serious position, but Father, you just moved and now he's back home again. And we want to thank you for that, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, because you're one who heals and you care about all we go through. And so, Lord Jesus, we, we are thankful. We are, we are grateful that we have a place to turn. We are, we are, Lord, blessed in our country to have great medical care and hospitals and medicines and people who have an expertise in these areas. We're thankful, Lord, and, and we appreciate all of that. But, Lord, when... When we have nowhere else to turn, we know we can always come to you. And so we bring these petitions sincerely, prayerfully to you and ask that you would move on the scene. We pray together. We lift up holy hands together and just invite your presence, Lord, to draw near to each one. And Lord, turn those situations around. For those that have recovered, Lord, I pray that you would continue to give strength that, Lord, you would bless the families and protect each one, Lord. And God, you know, you know our need. You know our cry. You know, Lord, the, the situation that people find themselves in. You've been so faithful in helping, Lord, in, in a material way, financial way, and so many other ways. And we, we just want to continue, Lord, to acknowledge that. We think very often, where would we be without you? Who would we have to turn to? We'd be like the people of the world who are searching for solutions in valleys that have no end. Father, come among us, I pray. And Lord, just do that miraculous and supernatural that only you can do. We commit these needs to you in faith now. Trust in your mercy. Trust in your goodness. We ask thy blessing, Lord, upon every request. And the ones that I've forgotten, Lord, and didn't mention this morning, I commit them to you. The people listening by way of the internet today, we commit their needs to you as well. Be strong on behalf of your people. And Lord, may our faith be strong in the promises of God. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We turn to you. 
and believe, Lord, that you are strong. You are the God who controls the heathen. The nations are as clouds under your feet. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We ask these blessings in the name of Jesus. Lord, my heart goes out to Sister Lisa Pascal. And I just ask today in Jesus' name, you would grant her, Lord, encouragement and strength, I pray, in the battle. Lord, she's believing and holding on for her husband. And I just ask that you would minister strength to her. We thank you, Lord, for getting Sister Mary Smith on. Pray that you would continue, Lord, to give strength to her. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I am the God that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer. I sent my word and healed your disease. I am the Lord, your healer. I am the God that healeth thee. I am the Lord, your healer. I send my word and heal your disease. I Praise the Lord. We're going to let you go this morning, and we're going to let you just in your time just file out. And when everybody's out and we're clear, we'll just switch gears and allow you to come back in again. But uh, we want everyone to partake. But we thank you for being here today. And if you don't mind, remember those needs uh, that I mentioned this morning. And uh, some of them are more serious. Uh, obviously, they're all of concern to us. But uh, we want to see the folks that have you know, been suffering for a long time. We want to just really pray that God will undertake for them. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord, and uh, we uh, good to be able to see everybody. Good to be able to see all of you that are here, instead of looking at a just a screen. It's nice to be able to have everybody together. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. We're going to sing that uh, as we leave this morning, and may God bless you, and uh, go in the name of the Lord Jesus today. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day he will make a way yes God will make a way sing it as you go this morning yes God will make a way where there's sea. No way.
Each new day will make.